Everybody loves the Lord. Say amen. Let's turn to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. It's just after Genesis. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? I bless the Lord. My, my, my. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Lord God Almighty, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Lord God, thank you on a cold, rainy Friday night in a land given to idolatry and adultery. Thank you that you got a group. Well, thank you that you got a church. You got a bride. Lord, a battalion that's assembled in your name tonight. Lord God, watch out over us, strengthen us, and stir us as we walk down Redemption Road in these scriptures. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and all the Lord's people saying. If you're in Exodus chapter 12, I want to take a little stroll down Redemption Road. In recent days, the Lord has put me in a study between Exodus 12 and Exodus 20. And uh, pretty sure we won't travel the length of that road in its entirety tonight. But we'll just get in here in our little Nissan Rogue and just stroll on down. And then my two old church ladies down here cranked up a Nissan out there. That's right. It's, it's a, that Rogue couldn't handle you girls. It was a Murano. I'm going to look up what that means. That means something in some language, I'll guarantee you. My, hadn't the Lord just been good? I bless his name. Thank you, Brother Bert, for... Uh, we thank the Lord for the meeting the Lord has given us. Thank you for letting us be here. It's precious. I have nothing but precious memories as I look at Cedar Bluff when I go up and down over Cedar Bluff. I say I got friends over there, and I say I know there's a flock over there on a the hill. <laughs> Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Bless the Lord. Right by that exit said there's some crazy old people up on that. No, I didn't mean to be looking at y'all when I said, but anyway. Amen. Adam, you sang a little better with your John the Baptist sandals. The boots kind of blunted it. Well, I mean, I kind of like them. They've grown on me, but I'm keeping them on you, but they, they're growing on <laughs> Hallelujah. You better not have went to church where I pastored. We picked on each other unmercifully. We had nicknames for each other. Half my people, I didn't know what their real name was. <laughs> I never bothered to find out, Tommy. A, I was down in the swamps, and your pastor's familiar with that part of the country in North Florida and them swamps. And uh, my bunch was a deer hunting bunch. They was all in the same club. They, they had a, they leased, I don't know, 
5,000 acres from DuPont. And uh, it's in the swamp, so they, they had to run them with dogs. Instead of getting up in the tree and waiting half your life for a stupid piece of meat to walk by, you know, you can tell how much I love deer hunting. <laughs> yeah, instead of sitting up in a tree, freezing, and uh, waiting on a, a deer to walk by, they get the dogs on them. And so they all had CB. They run around with their big swamp trucks with big tires. And uh, they all had CB handles. I learned their CB, and, and, the, and their wives went with them. Did I mention these were swampers? Yeah. War paint and camouflage, yeah. deer spray. <laughs> See me after church, we'll tell you what that is. <laughs> and that was the women's perfume where I pastored. <laughs> deer spray. So they all had CB handles, and I didn't know none of their names for about two years. <laughs> Oh, had Tutu and Black-Eyed Susie and, oh, Lord. It's a blessing. Are y'all in Exodus? I gave y'all that time to find Exodus. Praise the Lord. I want y'all to pray for me. I'll be leaving you tonight. I'm going to crank up right after the service. I done packed my suitcase and headed to the house. Uh, Sunday... We'll be down in North Georgia, and there's a special church down in the Daresville. Uh, Brother John Dorsey, some of you may have heard of that red-headed preacher. But they are having a, uh, Lord laid it on his heart some time back. It'll be the second Evangelist Appreciation Day. It's a blessing. Last year, they just poured it on us. And uh, he said, I never heard of one, but we sure need one, Evangelist Appreciation Day. So we'll be there Sunday. And I tell you, he's an unusual preacher. And uh, I'll tell you what he'd done. He said, the Lord, and he didn't tell nobody until it was all over with. He said, the Lord told me to give the evangelist and his family 90% of the offering. And we keep the tenth. What about that? And uh, he said, if it had been a hundred thousand dollars, he'd have got ninety thousand. That's unusual, isn't it? That's, he's an unusual man. Obeys the Lord. God really blessed us. Then Monday, I'll be going to uh, near Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, I'll be the big old happy redneck preacher. He's. Uh, Big and round and as jolly as Santa Claus. Shoots, speaking of shooting deer, he shoots deer from his kitchen table. <laughs> He's out in the woods, got a screen door, and I said, what are these little holes? You smoke cigarettes when you stand in the road? He said, no. He said, he said I got me a plot of corn across the road, across the field. <laughs> I said, sir, that's a highway. He said, bullet faster than a car. He said, if I can't see the car, they'll never see the bullet. <laughs> it's a good 150 yards. He's got a big front yard. And then, then, then it's a highway. It's not a real busy highway, but it is an active highway. <laughs> and then a, like a cornfield mowed down during deer season and a plow way out yonder. And he said, oh, yeah. And he leaned back. <laughs> here come out from behind the cabin. He said, yeah, he right there. Just put it right there. His wife's like, yeah, he does. <laughs> 
But he's a great guy. He loves the Lord and he kills deer from his kitchen table. But he loves the Lord. And uh, I'll be with him all next week in a, a small camp meeting. Uh, he started that church just a few years ago and he has a camp meeting. And so you pray for me there. I hadn't said anything about our missions all week long, but I, on a Friday night with just us, I want to tell y'all, please, please pray for me and look it up, <coughs> World Harvest Baptist Missions, whbmissions.org. And we got, I think we're at 15 missionaries, 14 or 15. <coughs> and uh, we got four families in Eastern Europe and Albania. We got four families headed to Uganda in Africa. And then we have other missionaries, Japan and England. And uh, we've got some going to Mexico. We got some more going to uh, Albania, but we've only got the ones that are active on there, the ones that are actually nearly there or there. So you pray for me. I've got a trip to Albania in Eastern Europe coming up and a trip to uh, Uganda, Africa in the spring, a survey trip to Japan, northern Japan in the summer, and a a trip to England in uh, June. So those four trips, each one of them are costly. They cost at least $50, I hear. (laughs) But plane ticket, the ticket to Japan will be nearly two, just the ticket alone will be nearly $2,000, not to mention all the rest. So it's, I have to raise about $50,000 a year just for the missions alone. The Redfield Camp Meeting is the end of July. I have to raise about $25,000 for that alone. And you've been coming the last couple of years. I want y'all to come. Y'all be ready to sing. But I want you to bring the joiners. And I want them to sing. And I'm going to sing with them. I'm going to wear Jesus sandals because it helps you get them high notes, I think. And I'm not going to let Adam sing with y'all that night. I'm going like, to make him play the bass. I'm going to sing with y'all. Because we've had a request for that to happen. It was me. It was me that requested. But I generally, it's my meeting and I honor my own request. But <laughs> praying for me now, it's bad. But I want y'all to come sing down in Ringgold, end of July. And it, uh, we'll have a, We've had to expand our tabernacle three times and had to park them in an extra field last year. But I want the youngins to bring a lot of youth groups, a lot of pastors come, a lot of God's people come, a lot of teenagers come. But I want them to hear the old stuff. You hear me now? I enjoy the McCamies, I do. But I ain't ain't diesel sniffing, chasing no southern gospel bus nowhere. Just rather not, and uh, and I enjoy it. I, I, I like the McCamies and I like the Inspirations, and after that, and I like the Primitive Quartet. After that, they all you know, it's so much entertainment in such an industry turns me off. I like I like church singers. I like church singers. I'd love for all them youngers to hear the joiners. Wouldn't that be something? And me with them. I think I sound a little better than Adam when I get my sandals on and get my voice cleared up. I'll gargle lemon juice and honey that night. 
woman. <laughs> I knew I'd get something out of it if I kept on there. <sighs> but anyhow, y'all please pray for our missions. If you Uh, to give $100. Now, some have given more. I was preaching up above uh, Knoxville, 75, go up to Carryville, And a little old woman wrote out a check for uh, $4,000. And she said, I've got it. My husband left me with it. And he'd want Jesus to have a bunch of it. And I took that and went to Uganda. <clears throat> Help me now. Amen. So uh, first time, about 12 years ago, and they only asking for money in nearly 12, 15 years of raising money for my missions work. I've never asked for money outside the pulpit. That's just the way the Lord, I do it in the pulpit when I'm looking at God's people. I don't go on social media. It's, it's, if somebody does, that's their bit. It's probably okay. I don't sell stuff. I don't solicit phone calls. I don't call rich friends and ask them for one. I don't have any. But if I did, I'd mention it from the pulpit. I believe in the church. I believe in the Holy Ghost speaking to people. If it don't come from God, I ain't interested in it. And uh, that's how the Lord's done it. First time I ever mentioned uh, asking for money for the gospel ministry overseas only I had two little ladies to come give, and they're the only ones the first night I ever mentioned it. And one gave a $10 bill, and one gave a $10 check. So that was the first fruits. When I left that night, the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to bless you real good now on these gospel missionary trips. That was the widow's two mites. I don't think I spent it. I think I kept the $10 bill and the $10 check somewhere in a box because I had to pack my office up. Somewhere in a box. And uh, it was too precious. The widow's two mites. <laughs> Woo! The Lord. If you'll drop a hook in the sea, he'll put a fish on it with a coin in its mouth reason the church, average church can't pay their bills is because they not put the hook in the sea. That's the gospel. The sea is the Gentile nations. That hook, by the way, we don't use bait on our hooks. Say so they just put a hook in the, y'all got to talk back to me. I'll ramble all night if you don't act like something. We don't use lures, plugs, bait, we don't try to lure them in, draw them in, smell them in, pretty them, flash, twinkle. Help me now. Jesus just said, put a hook in the sea. The gospel don't need no tricks. Just put it out there. <laughs> Amen. All right. Exodus 12. Thank you, Lord. Hadn't he been good to us? If the Lord help me for a little bit, I'll walk down Redemption Road. <clears throat> just a tad. <clears throat> I have started this. The Holy Ghost put me in chapter 12 because that's where we get saved. That's the blood chapter. 
Would you look in chapter 12 and verse 7? And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses. Then come down to verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Yep, man, thank God. Do you see chapter 12, verse 3? In the tenth day of this month, they shall take them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb. And in the next verse 4, it said, the lamb. If the household be too little for the lamb, that according to the eating shall make you count for the lamb. Then look in verse 5 of Exodus 12, your lamb. Amen. Thank God. There was a lamb, and then you figured out it was the lamb, and then that, that good glad day, it became your lamb. Walk through that bloody doorway out of Egypt into, headed to the promised land. Amen. Chapter 12 is the blood chapter. Thank the Lord for it. And do you see that in verse 13? When... And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And I love verse two. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Now, what about that? I think they were somewhere around the seventh or eighth month and God said, nope, this is gonna be the first month. <laughs> I wanna say this, whenever the blood comes to your house, whenever the lamb comes to your house, that's when things begin. Brother Tom, it is near the end of the year, but God said, no, this is going to be the first. <laughs> Thank God you can be near your end and God can start over with a new beginning. This will be the beginning. Thank God. And so praise the Lord for the blood chapter. Go with me to chapter 13. Let me rattle off about four of them here. Now this study goes all the way from chapter 12 to chapter 20. The reason being... Chapter 12 is where you see the blood and that's where we get saved. And then chapter 20 is where you get to the 10 commandments. Moses is called upon that mount by the Lord and it's the 10 commandments and that's this little particular uh, segment of scripture breaks off right there. But in chapter 12 to chapter 20, they're on a journey. They're on a journey. I kind of enjoyed that preaching last night myself, that destination business. We've been predestinated. Thank God. Don't let the Calvinists confuse you right there. They confuse each other, I promise you. But thank God when you got in that heavenly vehicle, there was a destination already set. It was preset. Amen. Well, I enjoyed that last night. Thank God. Now, so we're on a journey. We're on Redemption Road here. And so can I rattle off a few of them to you? Chapter 12 is the blood. Chapter 13 is the beginning. The reason I say that, and I'll come back and preach this a little bit, but verse two, the first thing the Lord said, sanctify unto me all the firstborn. There's children here, I'll be careful, but parents understand this. And uh, boy, back in the day when women would have babies and they'd send men out of the room into the next town. <laughs> we'll call you when she has the baby. You can come back to town. Not in this hour, honey. Everybody in the world come back. If Channel 12's over there, they're coming in the room. You better be careful. Help me now. Amen. That nurse put me to work. I said, well, I'm paying you for this. Then she double smacked me and said, get in here. And I said, yes, ma'am. That's what I said. Yes, ma'am. 
But, uh, oh my, so I'll be careful with this language, but you understand this. In chapter 12, they came through that bloody doorway as getting saved. I was born from above one day. I came through that birth canal, that bloody doorway. Amen, came through there, got born again. And the chapter 13 is where they started their journey. Sanctify is the first mention. Some of you have been around Sunday school your whole life. You've heard good Bible teachers mention the law of first mention. Now, there's one reason you got to keep a King James Bible. Them other versions have changed all the words and taken words out. You can't apply any laws of hermeneutics, Bible study. You can't apply any laws. You can't count things. You can't cross-reference things. You can't do a word study. The word ain't even in there. It's the first mention in your Bible of the word sanctify. What about that? Sanctify to me all the firstborn. Whatever has come out of the matrix and opened the womb, what about that? My, my, my. Well, all right, we'll come back to that. I had to establish that. That's the beginnings. Then chapter 14 is the baptism. This is the baptism chapter. This is the Red Sea crossing. This is where the Lord took Moses and his people and they went down in that water and they walked across and they came up. I felt me a little happy bubble right there and they came up on the other side. You said, wow, that's a baptism? Glad you asked, yes. And we know it is because 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 2 called it a baptism. Making reference to the Red Sea crossing and said, and they were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It is a baptism, okay? Y'all running along here? I'm just trying to mention them to you, get you in my train of thought tonight. And chapter 15 is blessings. Look in chapter 15, verse one. It's the first mention of song. Uh, uh. And do you see, watch this now. And especially folks that love to sing, watch this. And, and everybody that's ever been saved has got a new song. All three tenses are in here, past, present, future. Said they sang. Said this song. Underline all three of them. And then it said, I will sing. Sang is past, song is present, and I will sing is future. It's the first mention in your Bible of the word song in any of these forms. Sing, sing, song, sung. Amen. Say that fast enough. Could be your Chinese second cousin. <laughs> sing, sing, song, sung. <laughs> yes, we'll have some rice, please, and noodles. Amen. Egg drop soup. Thank God. <clears throat> look for cats. Always look for cats. Now, look at that. Sing, song, sing. And then at the end, this is the blessings. Look at the end of the thing. They're singing. By the way, if you ever come through that blood and you, and, and you have a new beginning and you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you'll end up with blessings. Look at the end of chapter 15. They're in a paradise. They're in an oasis. There's 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. What do y'all think about that? That 12 represents the Old Testament. That 70 represents the New. Luke 9, he sent 12 to, to Israel. Next chapter, Luke 10, he sent 70. 
out to the Gentiles, to the nations. Twelve's a number of the of the nation of Israel in this context, and 70 is the number of the nations. It's the Old and the New Testament. I'm about to run what I'm about to do, about to shout what I'm about to do. God will park you in the middle of two covenants and let you enjoy the fire out of it. Got them in front of me, the Old and the New. Woo, look at me enjoying this oasis. Thank God for it. All right, there's blessings, blessings. Then chapter 16, verse 4, we'll give you the next B. Read it and see if you can figure it out. This is where the manna began to come down. Then said the Lord unto Moses, chapter 16, Behold, I will rain bread. I will rain bread from heaven for you. Thank God in the hour we live, that's your Bible. Man shall not live in the New Testament by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth. Hey, thank God. Come through that blood chapter. Have that beginning chapter. Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. That don't make you a woman preacher and a tongue speaker. It just makes you sanctified and strong and ready to do the work of God. Amen. And come through that baptism chapter and end up in them blessings. And then start noticing the bread every morning. And you better because the next chapter 17 is battles. Chapter 17, come the first battles. Look in verse 8. Look in verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. God put Moses on a hill, put Joshua in a valley, and God run the thing from heaven. We got a mediator on a high place praying for us. We have Jesus in the valley swinging the sword for us and God giving us the victory. Amen. Battles. My, my. Y'all doing all right? Y'all doing all right? Well, I'm going to give you these next three in 10 seconds. You don't get any comments on these. Chapter 18 is about burdens. If you look in chapter 18 and underline verse 18, that will surely wear away for this thing is too heavy for thee. <laughs> Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. <laughs> he had two things on him Moses did. He had his own family. That's the first 10 verses. And then he had all of God's family. He had three million Jews to take care of. Y'all ain't helping me. No, God showed him how to, how to deal with his burdens. And then chapter 19 is about boundaries. Chapter 19, they're approaching that terrible mount where God ascended. In chapter 19, you can see it in verse 16, thunder and lightning, a thick cloud, the voice of the trumpet, all the people in the camp trembled. Verse 18, I'm in chapter 19. Verse 18, smoke caused the Lord to send upon him, fire and smoke, send smoke first. The whole mount quaked greatly. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. God set some boundaries up. Verse 12, thou shalt set bounds under the people. Verse 23, set bounds about the man. Y'all look up in here, and I'm going to tell you something. When you break God's laws and God's boundaries, it can get you killed. There's boundaries, boundaries. Somebody say, we don't like a standard and all this buds. I'm not talking politics. Don't you get ill with me, but... They don't want a wall. No, they don't. 
They don't want any walls. Heard uh, uh, the governor of Ohio pulled the Lord into it yesterday. I ain't gonna say a politician's name, dirty the air. But the governor of Ohio, he said, well, Jesus wouldn't want wall. Jesus wouldn't want a wall. Oh, I tried to call in on that talk radio. I couldn't get through. Jerusalem had walls about it. Heaven's got walls around it. <laughs> oh, I, they needed a Baptist preacher to get on that radio, but I couldn't get through. The Lord wouldn't have no walls. Sorry, Jerusalem's his capital. And God's the one who told them, Nehemiah, build them walls around there. Twelve gates, wall the whole thing. Y'all ain't helping me. I throw this pulpit at you. You better help me. And heaven itself, the walls and the gates. Oh, honey, you can't argue with the Bible. And I'm scared of this liberal, contemporary, modern, young generation. We don't want no walls. We don't want no rules. We don't want no standards. They're put up there because you're going to get yourself killed if you get over there and get in touch something that'll kill you. Boundaries, boundaries. Okay, and then chapter 20, I've called it, and here we get in these 10 commandments. This is where we get in these 10 commandments. You know what I've called them? I had, Brother Tommy, I had to put my chin in my hand. If I'd have had a beard, I figured it out quicker. If I'd have been allowed to smoke a pipe and stroke a beard, I'd have, I mean, I'd have had thoughts that the Lord never even had. But, Anyway, all I had was an old bare chin to work on. And, but I had to think about it, and then the Lord showed me this. It's the basics. Yeah. Amen. How about this? Have no other gods before me. Yeah. I'm God. Yeah. <laughs> Honor your father and mother. How about that? <laughs> Don't covet anything you and the neighbors got. Come on now. It's the basics. It ought to be the basics of civilization. Civic living ought to be the basic of Christian living. Amen. Amen. It's just the basics. Just the basics. By the way, I love the Ten Commandments. Thank God for the Ten Commandments. I'm okay if somebody puts ten. I've been in churches where they're fired up by, and they got the Ten Commandments out in the front lawn. And that's okay. But please, please, put a cross next to it. We're not Judaizers. We didn't stop with Malachi. I don't mind you putting the Ten Commandments out there. Just put a cross out there and make sure the cross is bigger than the monuments. Because <laughs> we ain't under the law, we're under grace. And I'm not going to do away with the basics. The entire Old Testament is the basics. The writer of Hebrews Probably Paul, unless it was Apollos, unless it was Luke, unless it was Barnabas, but probably Paul wrote Hebrews. And he said in chapter six, leaving the foundation of the principles, let us go on unto perfection. And all he is saying to them, first century Hebrews, hey, y'all, we're done with the law. The Lord has come. Trying to get y'all out of law and into grace. He said, thank God we got those things established. But let us go on. Let's go on into the grace of God. Amen. We got another testament. I don't mind. 
I've rebuked a couple of my friends and they, they were okay with it. They only got a little mad. And uh, <laughs> it was a good thing we were good friends. They only got a little mad. I said, please, put a cross uh-huh. either next to it or behind it yeah. or in front of it or around it, but get a cross out there. Yeah. We're not a group of Old Testament Jews wow. in here. Amen. Man broke them. Man failed them. Wow. Moses broke the actual stone tablets coming down that day when the people were dancing around that golden calf. What about when the Lord was given those Ten Commandments writing with his finger in stone? What about the day that he was, the moment he was given them, they were breaking the laws at the bottom of the mountain. Moses broke the tablets about the time he got them. Because they were breaking the law at the same time God was giving them. Amen. I'm going to show you how much grace and mercy God has. Yeah. They were breaking the law that she wasn't allowed to break that, the day he gave it. You know what the Lord said? Come back up here and bring a clean slate. It's actually slate rock. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the Lord said, come back up here and bring a clean tablet of stone and we'll just do it again. <laughs> what about you can go back to the Lord with a fresh slate? <laughs> and Brother Tom, that wasn't even under law. I mean, excuse me, that wasn't under grace. That was under law that they had a second chance. What about God giving you a second chance under law? <laughs> Boy, I wonder how much... He'd give you under grace. Yeah. And somebody said, well, you Baptists believe that and y'all believe that you can live any way you want to after you get saved. Well, actually, you can live any way you want to after you get saved. Don't jump ahead of me, Pastor. Oh, ye of the, I don't let men with pink jackets preach alongside of me. Watch this. Or what Brother Sharp say last night? That's a brick color. Yeah, he said that's a copper brick. <laughs> no, that's pink. <laughs> yes, sir. You can live any way you want to after you get saved. Just what they're missing. That crowd that don't understand that, here's what they're missing. They don't understand what getting saved does to you want to. <laughs> it changes you want to. Yeah. You can still sin after you're saved. It's just a few things different now. You can sin after you're saved. You just can't enjoy it no more. <laughs> It'll make you sicker than green apples and green tomatoes. Uh. You can sin after you're saved, just can't for long. You got a father now, and he's consistent. He's got more eyes in his head than your mama does. I always wondered how mama three bedrooms away, and I'm in the kitchen stealing one of them cookies. Don't y'all touch that cookies. She's in the basement in another house down the block. How did they know? 
That's when I determined that my mom was a monster because she had eyes all around her head. Wouldn't that be a scary thing? My mom's not a monster. That came out wrong. (laughs) But what about that? You can still sin, but you can't enjoy it. You can still sin, but not for long. And you can still sin, but you're not going to get away with it. He chastens every child. He scourges every son. All right, that's 12 through 20. Let's go back to 13 and enjoy a little bit of this. I can't run. Now, Now what we did just then was we cranked up one of them drag racers and we burned the whole thing. 12 to 20. Now we're going to get in our little Nissan Rogue and put her down just a little bit. Little old wimpy SUV. Tough name. The car did not live up to the name. Let's go back here and just cruise a little bit down the first part of this road. Let's talk about chapter 13. That's probably all I'll talk about before we go to the house. That and the Lord gave us a wonderful assembly this week, wonderful meeting. He really has. He blessed us. Let's talk about this beginnings. Chapter 13, verse 1. Y'all remember when you got started? First thing he'd done, sanctify you. Set you apart and make you holy. Found out you couldn't cuss anymore. Oh, you still could, but you'd feel like throwing up afterwards. Huh? You didn't have to give up them old friends. Just say Jesus twice. Say hallelujah once. Tell them you ain't coming over to drink Friday night. You're going down to the church with your preacher. You will not have to give up old friends. They'll give you up. They'll give you up. Sanctify! All the firstborn. Oh, my. Look in verse 5. This is where he's bringing you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Thank God. for. Look in verse 5. Got a lot of enemies. Look at them all in there. Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites. Got a lot of enemies, don't we? There's going to be a lot of enemies in this journey. But look at here, he's, mm, which he swear. I got good news for you. Are y'all in verse five? You got a lot of enemies, but you also have a God who swore some things. We're standing on his word. We're running on his word. We're living on his promise. Y'all help me right there. He swear, underline that little word. He swear some things. It gonna happen which he swear under thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Now some people preach that as a picture of heaven and you're not doing any harm to the text there because we are going, we're going to a wonderful home one day. Mm. Oh, my home is just, I love that song. I love that song. I've heard it recently, don't know where. It's, it's, it's in my head for some reason. This guy with sandals sang, and it was so pretty. Thank God we are going to heaven. But that land flowing with milk and honey, that's actually a picture of the victorious Christian life, the spirit-filled life. That's a picture of you walking 
walking in the will of God, the world, the world that God has for you, the world that God has for you. He got a plan for your life. And he's gonna bring us, he's gonna bring us. So watch this, come on down, come on down. We're just cruising down Redemption Road just a little bit in our little Nissans. The Lord will let us drive in foreign cars just tonight. Verse 13, and every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. Now it's amazing here, he's calling for all the firstborn. He's calling for all the firstborn. What did he judge over there in Egypt? All the firstborn. And he wants our firstborn. I'm gonna tell you something. God wants the first. He wants the first fruits. Let me throw something in there while I'm standing here. Child of God, if you ain't giving God the first fruits of your increase, you're robbing God and you're robbing yourself. Everything comes in, your financial income. You ought to give at least a tenth. Somebody said, well, that was the law. Nope, long before the law. Abraham worshiped before Melchizedek and gave him a tithe. Jacob gave a tithe long before the law was ever given. Paul mentioned it over there. That given, that given, given liberally. Mm. Somebody said, what percentage should we get? 10% is the lowest I've ever seen. Give 20, give 30. Give 50. I knew a man, I knew a man, and I could give you the documentary. I Boy, I need to know which one it was. One of the great businessmen in America and then around the world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ended up giving 90% to God. If we're thinking of the same story. He ended up giving 90% of everything he gave to God and kept 10% for himself. That's what they did for me a year ago at that church. And uh, mm, mm, do you know now, I'm watching y'all. Y'all better act really, really right about this tithing and giving business. And you're robbing yourself of blessings and of a border. God, he said, I'll rebuke the devourer off of your house and your fields and your children. But if you're robbing God, honey, you've offended him greatly. Greatly. Do you know the law, back in the Old Testament, the law of gleaning, the, the reaper's gleaning? He said, leave the corners for the strangers and for the orphans. Do you know almost everything God ever gave details in that Bible? Read Exodus, read Leviticus, read Numbers. He gave measurements. Everything measured. Look at the setup for the tabernacle. Everything's measured down to the nth degree. Everything's measured. Everything has a measurement on it. He gave no measurements for the corners. He gave no specifics on how big them corners, how much you was going to leave to give to others. Heard a man preach one night years ago on how big will your corners be? (laughs) He said, I bet Boaz was glad he left his big enough for Ruth to get in it. (laughs) Y'all better leave your corners big enough. You better do enough giving for God to be able to get in it. (laughs) 
And that man we're talking about said that he said he went to the middle of his cornfield, grabbed the center stalk, and said, Lord, he could have everything else. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He made his whole field corners. Yeah. <laughs> he grabbed the middle corn stalk in his life, figuratively speaking. Uh-huh. And he said, Lord, you can have everything else. Amen. And he said, I think you can feed me off this one corn stalk. Yeah. <laughs> Unto whomsoever much is given, much be required. Did you ever see that where the parables, when the Lord come back, he that hath not, because he invested not, the little he did have will be taken away and given to him that hath much, because he invested much. You're either a giver or a taker. And if you're a taker, eventually everything will be taken from you. But if you're a giver, eventually everything will be given to you. That's some little millennial rain blessing for all these carnal Americans living for the dollar bill. They're gonna have, if they are saved, they're going to have a sour time in that thousand-year rain. They're going to be chimney sweeps and sidewalk broom sweepers. Help me now. And them little two widow women with that $10 bill and $10 check. And when they pressed it in my hand, they said, well, this is really about all we got. Wish we could do more. Well, one day they're going to be more. <laughs> and more. And God's going to take some of these carnal, materialistic Americans living for a little more and a little much, and God's going to take from them what they kept for themselves and give to others who gave everything they had. You said that ain't going to happen. Keep living long enough. See you, see you at the beginning of the millennial. Amen. I'll be looking at a lot of people going, mm-hmm. and the Lord's like, ding, we don't act like that in the millennial reign. I'll be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then when he turns around, I'm like, mm. <laughs> that's bad, ain't it? Already planning on being ornery in the millennial reign. You girls pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Planning on being ornery. Go to verse 13 of Exodus 13. I love this. Just let me mention this. Every firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. <laughs> I guess this young generation ain't never read the old English. You got to explain to them that would be a donkey. Every firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. My, my. There's a beautiful picture here of our lovely saved by grace salvation. Yeah, ain't got time to teach it or preach it. Write this in your notes, Job eleven twelve. Just write that in your notes, go home and study it. And uh, it'll, it'll break down and interpret for you what this, what this symbology is here. He said, though a man be born like a wild ass's colt. Oh, we were born wild, we were born wicked, we were born wayward. But a lamb died for a donkey. Heard an old white-haired preacher down in Tampa, Florida preach that for an hour and a half one night. I hung off the rafters. We shouted all night long. That lamb was, that lamb died for just a little old, little old stupid donkey. Yeah. Amen. Little wayward, straying, stubborn, silly donkey. Yeah. What about that? Thank God I'm glad he saves old sinners. Yeah. 
Now come down here and I'm going to show you this and I'll be done. Come down here to chapter 13 and verse number 17. I'm talking about beginnings now. Y'all remember when you started your journey with the Lord? Well, I'll tell you one thing he did. He erased all the straight lines. Look in verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God, said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about. In verse 17, would you underline the word through? And in verse 18, would you underline the word about? I'm gonna tell you what God does for his youngest. Honey, when he saves you, he takes over. For as many as, I'm in Romans 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's how we know you got saved. You started following the Lord. There's no gray area in there. There ain't no options. There ain't no, it may work another way or it may not work for you. No. That's, that, that's the assurance of your salvation. Romans 8, that verse comes before the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. Your new walk gives you assurance before your new witness. I think it's Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. And then a couple of verses later, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. Others will know you're saved. Because you're walking in a new direction. Now look what he does. He don't take you through. He takes you about. The old man likes to do it like this. I'm right here. I need to be right there. So here's the plan. I'm going straight there. Well, the Lord does it like this. You're right here. I'm taking you right over there. So go this way. Y'all better come with me now. I'm done in about seven minutes, but you've got to come here. I can preach till 10 o'clock if I, you know, if I need to. He led them not through, but he led them about. Amen. And the Lord always takes you in strange direction. Take your magic marker and a big blank paper tonight and map out Jesus's, Joseph and Mary. I mean, down to Egypt, through Nazareth, Bethlehem started all this back up. Them wise men being warned of God go another way around. Y'all ain't helping me. Oh my. Honey, you better be glad that God takes his youngins. Wonder why he took them in that zigzaggy pattern. Y'all ever read your Bible maps? I grew up in church. When I got bored, I looked at the maps. I colored in the songbooks and looked at the maps. <laughs> I still keep a couple of crayons in the flap of my Bible thing here because I'm in some dead churches sometimes. <laughs> I just go ahead and deface church property. 
They ain't, gonna, they ain't singing out of them books anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't going to sing out dead, dry outfit. So I color in them. Not really, but in my mind I do. <laughs> but when I was a boy, now I still do this. If I get in a dead, I still look at the Bible maps. <laughs> Something's got to be interesting. <laughs> and there ain't no straight lines. Maybe one or two straight lines back here. Jonah had one straight line. He ran from God. <laughs> That's like one of the only straight lines in the Bible, man. Jonah. <laughs> then National Geographic interrupted. <laughs> Leave me alone. I preached against Disney movies until I had toddlers. I'm still against them but now I just watch them so I really know what I'm against. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you Jonah's map got crazy then. How'd you like to have a GoPro on that whale's head? I wonder where all he went. Went down to the gates of hell. Came up and threw him up on the beach. There was another straight line there getting right to Nineveh. <laughs> combed the seaweed out of his hair and am I going to oh my yeah there ain't many straight lines Moses had those look at his lines Paul's three missionary journeys man they're all over the place huh Abraham's all over the place God's going to take all the straight lines out you ain't never going to figure out God's will. You're just going to follow it. God, let, don't let none of his youngins be fortune tellers. I'm going to say something here and talk to y'all for a minute right here. I wish y'all quit talking about what the Lord's doing. We ain't got enough sense to know what he's doing. What he's doing is so big, we can't comprehend it. What he's doing is so eternal, we can't see it. What he's doing is so good, and the three things you think need fixed that he ain't even working on. That ain't the problem in your home. That ain't the problem in your church. And we know what all the problems are on them other people's pews. <laughs> don't we now? You don't know what them people need. We don't even know what we should pray for as we ought. Would y'all quit saying all this about what the Lord's doing in your life, what the Lord's doing in you? You have no idea what. It's so much bigger than what you're thinking. There ain't no straight lines in this thing. You don't have to figure out God's will. Just follow it. And then you'll wind up in it. You'll be in a land flowing with milk and honey. you say, you know, there's a strange map that got us here. But it's good to be here. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to say three things and I'll be done. And I wasn't working up to this point. It's just I got here. So let's take a little exit off Redemption Road and park at a rest area and say three things. Why did God lead them out in the wilderness instead of straight forward? Number one, the war was too strong. Did you see it in verse 17? 
He said, I can't take you straight through. There is a war. Less period of when they see war. The war was too strong. They were just baby believers. This is what Paul said to John Mark. Son, you're not going. You can't handle it. He threw a little hissy. Barnabas threw a hissy. Do you know Barnabas was John Mark's uncle? Which meant John Mark's mama got mad <laughs> and made her brother be mad. <laughs> Y'all have me now. Most men would never get mad about nothing if their wife didn't tell them to. <laughs> Y'all better help me right there. Men don't care about much. Let me eat. Let me sleep. Let me work. Let me sharpen this mower blade. And let's go to church. And what's so complicated? We say to the women. <laughs> and then let me eat some more and sleep some more and eat and go to church and sharpen the lawnmower blade. Life is simple. Women, life is simple. <laughs> but God made y'all different than us. <laughs> this is so funny in my head. Yeah, yeah, I promise you. I pastored a decade. I had my own Christian school. I help, I counsel pastors every week. And 90% of men upset about something really ain't. 90% of men upset about something in the church are really not upset. But their wife yacked all the way home. Can you believe that? He's like, okay. We're mad about this. Yeah, okay, we're mad. I'm mad. We just get tired of hearing y'all and then we're actually mad. Help me now. Y'all might as say amen. We get some spirit filled. I had very, now, when you run into a man who is the woman, they are a pill. When a man, I ain't talking about the abominations. I'm talking about when a man is the one who is a baby and who is a drama, that is something to put up with. A womanly man, oh, at least you're allowed to smack them. Help me now. I pastored a bunch. And girls, I'll be fair to you. There's a whole lot of ladies who are even and steady. They're not all drama. I got a group of missionaries. I can't be much more specific than that right now. We're dealing with a situation right now where the worst woman over there is a man. <laughs> That's funny. I can't talk about it. Fixing to go deal with it in a little while. Well, I got news for you. John Mark, the Apostle Paul, said, you're not ready. And in that particular mission trip, they were striped, beaten with many stripes, put in prison, shipwrecked, no doubt sickness. John Mark obviously couldn't have handled that because they got another ship and started another little journey. They had a little church split. Two ships went sailing, Barnabas and John Mark in one. Couldn't even handle the rebuke. How was he going to handle the beating? Y'all help me now. But look who came back later and wrote the gospel of Mark. 
And Paul later in his temple said, and Mark, who is profitable to me for the ministry. You want to know why John Mark was now profitable writing gospels and serving God? Because he was still alive. Because God kept him from going into a war. He would have been out of the ministry. He would have been out of the ministry. He'd have been out of the work of the Lord. But the, the apostle in his life had enough, son, you're not ready for that war. Now, this is going to put you in the wilderness. But you'll survive the wilderness. And later on, you'll be grown up and advanced and mature enough that you can come back and write, write that second gospel. I'm so glad the time the Lord said, Dean, you're not ready. I tried to go to Romania and Russia right out of Bible college. I tried to go, Reagan, tear down that wall. Now we've got to build a wall. But tear down that wall, and they did in East Berlin. I got a chunk of that in my office. Got a chunk of it, the Berlin Wall. Tear down it, and the Iron Curtain opened, and here went the gospel missionaries, and I tried to be one of them. I'm ready, I'm going, the door's open, straight line, hey, and the Lord, whoop. Come here, boy. Come here, John Mark. But Lord, and I was doing a Fred Flintstone, my feet were going and I wasn't going nowhere. Russia, Romania, come here. How about a little swamp church? No, 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 just swampers, swampers. First Baptist church started in the 1800s. That's very frightening. Y'all understand that? Most churches have been having church too long. God left a long time ago. Men took over. You're going to get more beat up in a church that's run by men than you ever are in a bar run by drunks. The Lord said, come here. I said, Lord, all them sinners are dying and going to hell. I got to go save them. And he knew. I wasn't even made three years in the ministry. So he put me in a little church. <laughs> and a few years later, come out writing gospels. Profitable for the ministry. Because the war was too strong. And guess what? Number two, the wilderness was survivable. We whine about them incessantly. That's like our hobby as Baptists, whining about our wilderness. Somebody please hush. The wilderness is God's mercy in your life. The war was going to kill you. The wilderness ain't. We whine incessantly about our wilderness trials. And God the whole time is saying, I'm getting tired of that murmuring and complaining because your wilderness is where I put you to spare you. It has saved your life. That little swamp church, good night. I could tell you about that wilderness journey, but I survived. Amen. I survived. And then the Lord said, you're ready for war now. Well, third one and I'm done. Well, the war was too strong. That's why I let them about. The wilderness was survivable. And then the worship was to the south. The 
When I read this, I had to study behind 20 men to get the sense of these scriptures. And one of them old preachers, and I wrote it in my notes about two weeks ago. When them old preachers said, God took them that way because worship was to the south. There was a mountain where God was going to meet with Moses in a glory cloud, and it was 150 miles south. If it went straight through, God had a glory cloud and a mountaintop meeting waiting on them. Just want to stop and thank God for the times he's took me down south. And that's where worship, that's where I learned. Worship learned his ways, learned his word, met on a mountaintop with him. What all did Moses experience in that cloud? How do you think he come out and wrote the first five books of the Bible? 40 days without food and water, sitting up there with God. The reason he wrote the creation account because God let him see it. <laughs> How about that? Worship's to the south. We always think it's up. Take me up, make me big, give me a promotion. Bring me up here. Give me a kingdom and a throne. Let me learn about, oh no, God said, you, come down here. Come way down here. <laughs> come way on down here. He'll take Jonah to the bottom. Amen. He took Paul into an Arabian desert. Worship was to the south, 150 miles. To the south. Wow. I wrote that in my notes two weeks ago. Mm. And those times that God takes us down, we're like, Lord, you promised we was going over there. I know, but we're going over here first. <laughs> well, why can't we go over there where we're supposed to be going? Because me and you, got, we got a little meeting down here. <laughs> You're going to know who I am much better. Know what I am much better. Thank God. Let's all stand. That's a little drive down Redemption Road. Come on the piano one more time, sister, and y'all sing whatever the Lord wants you to sing tonight. Our Father, we're so grateful for your work in our life, for your touch in our life. God, thank you for taking us down Redemption Road. Oh, God. We praise you. Lord, bless us. Bless us all. Bless our families tomorrow. Bless our church services on Sunday. God, I pray you'd lay your hand on Brother Burke and his family. I pray you'd lay your hand on this church, the church family. I pray, God, you'd do what only you can do. Be God in our lives, Lord, and let us accept it. Let's quit trying to figure out your will and just follow it. We'll end up where we're supposed to. And I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. If you need to be saved, you ought to come be saved. If you need to be strengthened, come down here and pray and let the Lord strengthen you. If you need to come say thank you, come and say thank you. Amen. That, that never hurts the Lord's feelings. Come back and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
where are them other nine lepers? I don't know, but I came back to thank you. Amen. 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 Y'all sing for us. Y'all obey the Lord. Thank God.